All right. How many of you brought your Bible with you? Will you hold up the Word of God? I may have already asked you to do that, but join me on page number 956 tonight in the Old Testament. 956, if you have an old Schofield Bible, or the book of Habakkuk, chapter number 2. The wrestler of the Bible. He was a wrestler. Yeah, him and Jake the snake. You remember old Jake the snake, Roberts? And old Jacob wrestled with the Lord back in the book of Genesis. And here's another wrestler. His name is Habakkuk. And he wrestled with the Lord. And we're talking and making our way through his story, Habakkuk. We're in chapter 2 tonight, if you'll locate that. I'll read a couple of verses here in just a moment. Don't forget the service Sunday. And please be much in prayer uh, for our time together this Lord's Day. And let's pray together. God will help us on, on Sunday. Give us a good day. I heard about this man hadn't been feeling well, hadn't been feeling well, so he goes to his doctor. And the doctor runs some tests on him, and then the doctor tells him what he, uh, what he needs to do. Well, a couple of days later, the doctor saw this man, saw him out on the street, and he had this very young woman pulled up real close to him, and he had a big smile on his face. And so a couple of days later, he went back to see the doctor, and the doctor said, man, you pushing it, ain't you? He said, what do you mean? He said, boy, that young lady you had on your arm the other day, that big smile you had on your face. He said, doctor, I'm just following your, uh, your, uh, your orders. You said, get you a hot mama and uh, be cheerful. And he said, I didn't say get you a hot mama and be cheerful. I said, you got a heart murmur, be careful. <laughs> Sometimes we don't hear good, do we? So, man, you got a heart murmur. Be careful. And God help us all be careful in these days. Praise the Lord. Well, let's read Habakkuk chapter 2. I want to read verse 1 and verse 2. But really, we're going to deal with the whole second chapter. But don't be afraid. We'll be through with it uh, before long. Look at verse 1. Habakkuk says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord, and here's what we've been talking about, and the Lord answered me. There again, God answers prayer. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Now again, probably reading that, you probably say, I don't understand one thing you've just read. But uh, I want to try to, if I can, offer up an explanation of what's going on in this text, in this chapter, as it relates to what we have found out about this prophet by the name of Habakkuk. Let's pray. Father, bless your word now and help us, we pray. Thank you for the good songs. Thank you for letting us sing together as a congregation. Thank you for this good number of people that had met on this Wednesday night for prayer meeting. Good crowd in here, good crowd on the other side of the building, the children's programs. Please bless everything that goes on here tonight. And speak to our hearts. May our hearts find encouragement tonight from this text. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, for the last two or three Wednesday evenings, we have been making our way through an out-of-the-way Old Testament book by the name of Habakkuk. Habakkuk was, if you remember, I'm calling him the prophet, the prophet with a problem. Now, to remind you, in case you have uh, forgotten, to remind you where we're at in the story of Habakkuk. Let me remind you that Habakkuk lived in the southern kingdom of Israel. Israel was at one time a united kingdom, a united nation, but after the death of Solomon, the nation split in half. There was Israel up to the north, and their capital city was Samaria. And then down south, there was Judah, and the inhabitants of Judah, and their capital city, the city of Jerusalem. 
as of Habakkuk's time, the northern kingdom, known as Israel, had already been carried off into captivity by the Assyrians because of their outright, in-your-face, rebellion against God. The northern kingdom had flaunted their sin and idolatry in the face of a holy God until God finally said, okay, that's enough. And God brought in the Assyrians to carry his northern people, the northern kingdom, off into the Assyrian captivity. Now, you would probably think that uh, the southern kingdom would have saw what happened to their brothers up to the north and they would have learned from that experience. But we know that's not the case. Judah not only failed to learn from the experience of what happened to their brothers up north, I mean, the southern kingdom, they repeated the same sins of the northern kingdom in Habakkuk's day. They were just as bad, if not more wicked, than the people up north. Well, about this time, God raised up two prophets to call Judah and to confront Judah about their sin. One prophet was named Jeremiah. Boy, we got a long book in our Bible named Jeremiah. And Jeremiah prophesied or confronted the uh, southern kingdom down south, God's people. He confronted them about their sin. But another prophet that prophesied along about the same time was this old boy by the name of Habakkuk. Habakkuk looked around and saw all the sin and the wickedness that was going on in the land and in the lives of God's people. And boy, he started praying. He started beseeching God to do something about what was going on in his nation. No doubt, like us, Habakkuk prayed and asked God to send revival to his people. But at least initially, it seemed like God wasn't answering his prayers. Back in chapter 1 and verse number 2, he said, I cry. And verse number 2, but thou wilt not hear, even crying to thee out of violence, and thou wilt not save. Habakkuk said, Lord, I'm praying. Lord, I'm calling. I'm crying. But it almost seemed like in Habakkuk's case that the Lord was not even listening. It seemed like his prayers was falling on deaf ears. It seemed to Habakkuk that God was totally oblivious to all that was going on in the land of Judah. You know, many times you and I are just like Habakkuk. Many times we think that God is oblivious to what's going on in our lives. Many times we think that God is oblivious to what's going on in our land. Many times we wonder if God is really there. We wonder if God really, uh, really cares. Is God listening? Does God see what's happening? God, do you really care about what's going on? Well, about that time, God answered the prayers of Habakkuk. By the way, I know we've been praying about our nation. Have we not? We've been praying and seeking God's face. I'm talking about long before November. God's people were praying and crying and calling out to God. And then the answer came, but it wasn't the answer that we wanted, was it? Can I have an amen? Just like Habakkuk, the answer finally came. Look at verse 5 of chapter 1. God said, okay, here is my answer. And what he does is he reminds Habakkuk, hey, the whole time you thought I wasn't listening, the whole time you thought I wasn't looking, the whole time you thought that I wasn't moving, God said, I just want to tell you, Habakkuk, I've been working on this for a long time. And I'm getting ready to bring the Chaldeans, in verse number 5 and verse number 6, I'm getting ready to bring the Chaldeans to come down against my people in Judah, and they're going to be my whip to scourge my people. Now let me stop and say that's good news and that's bad news. That's right. Good news, the good news is God answered his prayer. Praise the Lord. The bad news is it wasn't the answer he wanted. You know, let's be encouraged tonight over the fact that God always 
answers prayers. But the fact of the matter is every time we pray, if we're right with God and, and, and we're seeking and praying about the will of God, I just want to tell you, God answers our prayers. But he doesn't always answer them like we want them to be answered. Sometimes, you know, when we pray, we get a direct answer. God says yes to what we're praying about. Sometimes when we pray, we get a denied answer. God says, no, I'm not about to do that. Sometimes when we pray, we get a delayed answer. God said, okay, but not right now. And then sometimes when we pray, we get a different answer. So there's the four ways that God answers prayer. Directly, denial, delayed, or different. Well, as we look at what Habakkuk was praying about, three of those things, four things, fall into his prayer. Number one, he got a delayed answer. He didn't at all get his answer when he thought God ought to answer. Let's just face it, most of the time, we don't get our answers when we think God ought to answer. He got a delayed answer. Then he got a direct answer. God said, okay, yes, I'm going to answer your prayer, but he got a different answer. Habakkuk was probably praying for revival. God, revive us again. God, give us a good king. Lord, what we need, Josiah's gone. Give us another Josiah to settle the throne. You know, we've been praying, oh God, give us a, the same president. Lord, give us the same president. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, help us. But we didn't get the answer. It was a different answer that we have been praying for. Now, let me tell you something. When Habakkuk gets that answer to God, I've been listening the whole time. I've been working, though you didn't even know I was working. I have been preparing the Chaldeans. Can I tell you something? This really throws Habakkuk into a tailspin because he starts scratching his head, and he's thinking to himself, how can God do this? Now, when this book opens, he's doubting God. You ever doubted God before? Have you ever doubted God before? Am I preaching to live people tonight? He's doubting God. God, where are you at? God, why don't you answer my prayer? And then when God finally answers his prayer and tells him what he's going to do, instead of doubting God, he starts debating God. God, are you really sure? You know what you're doing? God, is this really, is this really what you want to do? God, you're bringing the Chaldeans down against your people. God, are you kidding me? This is your answer to my prayer? If you look at chapter 1 and verse number 13, here's really why he gets thrown into a tailspin. It's because he begins to think about the Chaldeans and how worse off they are than the people living in the land of Judah. If you look there at verse number 13 in that last phrase, he says, the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he. In other words, what he does is he said this, God, I, I get it, we deserve what we're going to get, but Lord, I don't understand how you can use an ungodly people, a wicked people, to come down and chastise a people that are better than they are. I don't, I don't get that, God. And really, he, appeal, he appeals to God on the basis of God's holiness. Look, if you will, at verse number 13 of chapter 1, and he says this, Thou, speaking to God, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Let me stop. Let me stop. God, you can't even look upon iniquity. Have you ever heard preachers preach before that when Jesus was dying on the cross, that God turned his own back on his own son? Now, they say that on the basis of this. Jesus on the cross cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But they also say that on the basis of this verse right here, that God can't look. And we know that when Jesus was on the cross, he was being made our sin. 
He was becoming sin for us, and God has such pure eyes that he cannot even look upon sin. So he's saying, okay, God, I, I don't understand this. You're going to use this wicked, ungodly people to come down here and chastise and, and discipline a people that really are better than they are. And he appeals to God's holiness. Can I tell you something? God is a holy God. Can I have an amen? God is a holy God. You know, in our day, when we want to emphasize something, if we're writing something and we want to emphasize something, we'll underline it or we'll embolden it or we'll place it in, uh, in parentheses or we'll, or we'll put uh, quotation marks around it. We want to emphasize what we're saying. But in the Hebrew language, they didn't do that. When they wanted to emphasize something, they repeated it. You know, if you work your way through the Bible, the only attribute of God that's repeated to the third degree is the holiness of God. In Isaiah chapter 6, when those seraphim films were flying through the heavens, they were crying, holy, holy, holy. You'll never read in the Bible that God is love, love, love. You'll never read in the Bible that God is good, good, good. You'll never read in the Bible that God is faithful, faithful, faithful. But you will read in the Bible that God is holy, holy, holy. Now let's just face it, he's a far more holier than we think he is. I mean, in our day, churches are trying to pull God down to the level of humanity. When God said what we ought to be doing is trying to push man up to be close to God. He's a holy, a holy God. And he said, now God, you're so holy. I can't get this, how you're going to use that country to come down and chastise your people. Here's what it would be like. It would be like God using Russia to chastise America. I mean, I get it. We deserve it. Can I have an amen? I get it. We deserve a good old-fashioned behind whipping from God. We deserve that in America. But how in the world could God use a nation like Russia that don't even believe in God to chastise a nation that at least says we do believe in God? That's the same predicament that Habakkuk was in. He said, "I God, I just don't get it. How in the world are you going to let the bad guys win? My daddy, when we were growing up, and I, I was in the hospital this morning, and they, somebody was relating to me a bad experience that they had. They, they couldn't sleep, and so they called for a sleep medicine. And they gave them something called Ativan, and it put them out of their mind last night. My daddy, when he was in the hospital before he died, they brought him some Ativan in the hospital. I went to see him. I stopped by the nurse's station when I was going back to see him, and I said, well, how did my daddy sleep? Oh, they said, he slept well last night. I said, good. I went in there. I said, Daddy, how would you sleep last night? I didn't sleep a wink. He said, them cowboys and Indians was riding through here all night long, and I didn't sleep a wink last night. He, was a, he watched them westerns all the time, them shoot-em-up shows. But I remember when I was growing up, because if you were going to live at our house, you had to be interested in westerns. But I can remember most of those veterans, like Wild Bill Hiccup, and, uh, Hiccup or whatever his name was. And, and I remember uh, Pilot, Have Gun, Will Travel. You remember that one? And, and Roy Rogers and all those. They, they were never in color. They were always in black and white. But you had no trouble telling the good guys from the bad guys. Even though they were in color, uh, not in color, the good guys always had the white hats on, and the bad guys always had the black hats on. How many of y'all remember that? 
Habakkuk saying, God, I don't get it. Why are you going to let the guys with the black hats on beat the guys with the, good white, the white hats on? God, I just don't understand it. How are you going to use this crowd to get this crowd right with God? Hey, do you ever wonder why God lets the bad guys win? Have you ever noticed, seemingly in the world that you and I are living in, most of the time, as Yogi Berra said, nice guys always finish last. Have you ever noticed that the people who play by the rules, the people that try to do what's right, the people that try to serve God, have you ever noticed that most of the time it always seems like they're drawing the short straw? And the crowd that never darkens the doors of the house of God the crowd that buys the lottery tickets and runs around on their wives and cheats and lies and steals, seems like they're always the ones getting ahead. Habakkuk's saying, God, I just don't understand how you can let the bad guys win. Have you ever thought about that yourself? God, I don't get it. Here I am trying to serve you. Here I am trying to play by the book, by the Bible, by the rules. I'm trying to do what's right. And it seems like that guy up the street up there, I'm riding around in a smoking Ford, and that guy's riding around in a Mercedes Benz, and he never comes to church. It just ain't fair, God, that you let the guys with the black hats always win. If I was you, I'd let the guys with the white hats win. And that's Habakkuk's whole dilemma. I just don't get it. I don't get how Biden could win the White House. I don't get it. Well, I do too. I know how he got it. Y'all know how he got it. And, and by the way, that you say, oh, Brother Tim, that's conspiracy. It's conspiracy theory. I, I think it's truth. I just think, man, they just started. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you why they didn't count. When have we ever had an election in America that they didn't tell us the winner the night of the election? I mean, for the most, I get it, Bush and. And the guy that founded the internet, what's his name? Gore. Sore, loser man, sore, loser. I get it. That's the only thing. But I mean, why did they stop counting? I figured this. I figured, here's what I think. They're trying to figure up how many votes they needed. So they went out and got them a bunch more ballots so they could run those votes through to figure out how many they needed to come out on top. And I'm not lying about it. And that ain't sour grapes. Okay, I'll accept it, man. Let's move forward. But the, I just don't understand. How did the guy with the black hat on beat the guy with the white hat on? How did God let somebody that don't stand with Israel beat somebody that does stand with Israel? I don't get it. Do you get it? I don't understand how God could let somebody who stands for abortion, I mean even up to the point of being born, he lets him beat somebody that's against abortion. I don't get it. There's a lot of things in this world you and I are just not going to get. Habakkuk, God, I don't get how you're going to let them, this wicked crowd, whoop, whoop this good crowd over here. I don't get it. Well, we come to chapter 2, and he says this. Okay, I don't get it. I don't have all the answers. I'm not even sure I know all the questions. I'm not sure how this thing is going to turn out. But God, here's what I'm going to do. And then he tells us in this chapter, there's three things to do. Look in this chapter. First of all, I thought about this. Number one, he says this in verse one. He said, I'm going to be found waiting on God. 
I'm going to be found waiting on God. Now notice verse 1. He said, I'm going to stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch and see to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am approved. Now I want to call your attention to two words. First of all, the word stand and then the word tower. Because what he's saying, the word stand simply means this. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all, I don't, I, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out. I can't understand what God's doing. But I'm just going to stand. I'm going to remain. I'm going to continue. I'm going to station myself. I'm going to stay right here. And then he talks about a tower. Now, we understand that in the Old Testament times that cities were built with walls around them or else they were built in, in high mountains because those hills and, or those walls was a defense system. It was like for fornication. Uh, fornication, not fornication. Oh, my soul. I'm back on that hot mama a while ago. I'm all messed up here. Fortification. I was just seeing if y'all was listening. Oh, my goodness. Work your way out of that one. Those, those towers, those walls, and those hills were used for fortification. And what they would do is in those towers, they would place a watchman up there. He was away from everybody else. He was up there by himself. But he was constantly looking on the horizon for an invading enemy. I mean, he had, to, he had to alert the crowd on the inside of the wall if an enemy came. And I think what Habakkuk is saying is simply this. What I'm going to do is, man, I'm going to get myself alone with God and I'm going to stay there till I get an answer. I think in reality that's what he's saying. I'm just going to remain there. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to get by myself with God. It's just going to be me and God and I'm just going to stay there till he gives me an answer. You know... When we don't understand all that's going on, instead of us getting away from God, we ought to get around God. Can I have an amen? How many of us, when we don't understand what's happening in our life, we get a little bit angry at God, bitter at God. First thing we do, we distance ourselves from God. Can I tell you something? Distancing yourself from God ain't going to get you out of the trouble that you're in already. In fact, it's going to compound the trouble that you're already in. Instead of trying to get away from God, why don't we try getting around God? And Rebecca said, here's what I'm going to do, man. I need a word from God, so I'm just going to put myself in a place and stay there till I can hear what God has to say to me. Now, I've got to tell you something. That's easier said than done. Am I right? I mean, just putting yourself in a place where you can listen to God. It's hard to get away from everything in our day. Have you ever noticed this? We have got more modern conveniences in our day and less time than we've ever had. Hey, my grandma didn't have a dishwasher. I mean, these were her dishwashers. She didn't have a dishwasher. She didn't have a microwave. She didn't have, I mean, she had none of that. She didn't even have a dryer up until the, almost she died. She still hung her clothes out on the clothesline. I mean, man, that was life. That was just, and boy, they worked hard. Got up every morning, uh, put, cooked a whole breakfast. I never remember going to my grandma's house. She didn't have a cake or a pie or something sitting over just in case company dropped by. Now, man, come to come, we had him a candy bar. Hey, y'all want a candy bar? Hey, how about a Tootsie Roll? Y'all remember those days when that crowd, that generation of people, man, they worked from sunup 
to sundown. Didn't have the modern conveniences, but they worked from sunup to sundown. But I'll tell you one thing, man, they made time for God in their life. And yet in our day, we've got so many modern conveniences, it's unbelievable. We've got computers. We've got televisions. We've got cell phones. We've got ex echoes and Alexis. Ale Alexis. We were in the car going up the road the other day, and Seth said, I want to hear, I want to hear, and he, not Seth, uh, uh, Silas said, I want to hear this song. I said, man, I, I don't know where that song is at. He said, Alexa. <laughs> I looked over at Sam and said, who's he talking to? <laughs> we walk in the house. Alexa, turn the lights on. Alexa, cut the Christmas tree on. Alexa, dim the lights. Alexa, turn the heat up. We've got all these modern conveniences today. This is amazing to me. Before you ever leave work on, on, on your job at 5 o'clock and get home, you can go ahead and cut the lights on, turn the, turn the heat up before you ever get there. But we've got less time than we've ever had before on our hands and less and less time to spend with God. You know what? You can, you can get in your car in Greensboro at the airport. This is a, I can't get this. You can get in your car in the airport at Greensboro, leave your car parked over there in the, in the long-term parking lot, fly out to California, get out there, step off at LAX, say, oh my goodness, I don't know if I locked my car, pull your phone out, and all the way across the country, it'll lock your car for you. Unbelievable. And we got less time to spend with God than we've ever had before in our lives. You know what? If we're going to get an answer from God, sometimes we're just going to have to shut everything else out and just wait on God. Hey, sometimes when we come to church, we ought to be like that. God, I need something from you today. God, help me not to notice what so-and-so's got. Help me not to listen to what Sister Wigglejaw is saying to, to, in church today. God, help me not to notice that flusy with that beehive hairdo. God, help me today. Shut all that out. I need a word from you today, God. Can I have an amen? I mean, we ought to come to church like that. And by the way, he needed a word from God. Look at the end of verse number one. He said, God, I, I need to hear from you because I need to know what to tell this crowd when they reprove me. Let's just face it. I mean, people still reject God's message as well as God's messenger. So he said, I, God, I need to know what to tell these people around here. I know they're already going to be mad at me because I'm going to preach your word anyway. But God, I need to know what to say to them when they reprove me. And by the way, he got his answer. Look at verse 2. And the Lord answered. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Man, you know what he said? And I got my answer. I got away from everything. I just, I just, I waited on God. And God gave me an answer. I say, number one. Let's just be found waiting on God. Number two, look again at our text. Not only found waiting on God, but what about this? Be focused watching for God. Be focused watching for God. God says to Rebecca, I know you're worried about all this. I know you don't get it, how I can use these Chaldeans. You're upset because I'm going to use this wicked crowd to come over here and chastise my people. I get that. I know you're upset. You think I'm going to, I, I, I've lost my mind. You think I'm, de I'm defying and denying my character, my holiness. But, Rebecca, I just need to tell you something. I might be using them, but they're not getting by with it. I might be letting the black guys, not the black guys, but the black hat guys, 
I might be letting the guys that's wearing the black hats win, but I just want to tell you something. It's coming a payday for that black hat crowd. Habakkuk, they're not getting by with it. Habakkuk, someday I'm going to judge them for their sins. And what we just need to understand is this. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, God's in control, and he may use a wicked crowd to chastise a less wicked crowd. But let me tell you something. God's not going to let that wicked crowd get by with their wickedness any more than he's going to let this crowd over here get by with theirs. And the rest of this chapter, beginning in verse number 4 and going all the way down through verse 19, God said, I just want to tell you, Habakkuk, don't worry about it. They're going to get what's coming to them as well. And if you look in this, and I just put this down, but if you'll begin in verse number 4 and going through the rest of this chapter, there are five woes that he pronounces on the Chaldeans. Five of them. Look at verse number, uh, well, this in here. Verse number, well, look at the woes. There's one in verse 9. There's one in verse 12. There's one in verse 15. There's one in verse 19. And there's one... In verse number 6. And God said there are five... And boy, when God says woe, you better go. Amen. Look what he said. Verse 6. Shall not all these take up a parable against him, a toning proverb against him, and say, Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his? In other words, he was talking about all the, uh, uh, all the uh, injustices that the Chaldeans had committed. In verse number 9, he talks about all the iniquity they have committed. In verse number 15, he talks about all the intoxication of the Chaldeans. In verse number 15, he talks about the immorality of the Chaldeans. In verse number 19, he talks about the idolatry of the Chaldeans, and you say, boy, that was a bad crowd. You think about that. Injustice, iniquity, uh, 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 intoxication, immorality, idolatry. You say, preacher, they were bad. You're right. But all five of those things are prevalent in America tonight. Think about drunkenness. Look at that verse 15. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and make us him drunken. Man, if that ain't America, I don't know what it is. There are three parties now in Washington, D.C., Republican Party, Democrat Party, and the Cocktail Party. Our nation has given itself. Our nation is drowning in alcohol. And if you look there at verse number 15, the reason they were getting drunk is because they were trying to get them drunk so they could look at their nakedness. Can I have an amen? Look at verse 15. This is Bible, King James Bible. You make them drunken also that they may look on their nakedness. What's the old saying? Candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker. You may want to write that one down in the Bible somewhere. I got a bunch of sayings wrote down in my Bible up here. That's right. Candy, candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker. Liquor breaks down your inhibitions, your ability to think right. That's the reason a man gets a woman drunk. First thing you know, he can take advantage of her. Why? I'll tell you why. She's lost all of ability to think rationally. That's why people get drunk. Get, get drunk, man. Yes, sir. All of that. All five of those things are prevalent in America tonight. And God's, but God said, I'm going to use them to chastise my people. You say, preacher, I don't get all that. I don't understand all that works neither. But I do know this. God will always have mercy on his people. Let me prove it to you and we're done. How do I know that God had mercy upon the Jews and not the Babylonians? I got one question for you. You name me right now one Babylonian you know. 
They ain't no Babylonians. Excuse my English. They're gone. But I can name you several Jews that I know. God did away with the Babylonians. But God had mercy on his people. There's no longer a Babylon. But thank God we got a nation of Israel. There ain't no Babylonians. But boy, we got a, we got a bunch of Jews running around. God, had, God may have used them to chastise his people, but God had mercy on them. Aren't you glad God's a merciful God? Praise the Lord. I want to be focused watching, be found waiting. And lastly, look at verse number 20. I want to be faithfully worshiping God. Look what he said, and, and I love this. This is my favorite verse, but it says this, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent. Keep silence before him. Can I just put that in for South County language? Don't worry about it. God's on the throne. Amen. Boy, we've been saying that a lot, haven't we, lately with all that's going on in our country, in our nation, all the whatever, upheaval and cheating, lying, stealing, crowd. We've been saying that a lot. Well, praise God, God's still on the throne. But Habakkuk said, I don't understand all this. Man, I don't understand why the black hat guys are going to win. I don't understand. Put that, in, put that in American language. I don't understand how Biden's beating Trump. I don't get all that. But I know one thing. The Lord is in his holy temple. God is on the throne. They may destroy the earthly city of Jerusalem. They may destroy the throne. But God is in his heavenly throne, in his heavenly city, and God is sitting on the throne. I remember when I was growing up, my grandma, for some reason, she was saved. My grandma was saved, but for some reason, God knows why, it was close to her house, and she couldn't drive good. And, but she started going to a church of Christ. And so once in a while, when mom and daddy would let us spend the night over there, we'd get up and go with my grandma to church on Sunday morning. That's the weirdest crowd I've ever seen in my life. And I don't mean that bad. Some of y'all probably come from the Church of Christ. But I don't mean you're weird, but I'm just saying it was not what I was used to. Maybe I should say it like that. And, uh, but I never will forget, before they started the service off, we'd just be standing there. You know, I'm used to Baptist church. We'd get up and sing. Uh, you know, we'd start the service off with precious memories. You know, we wanted things to be lively. We'd sing precious memories. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Open up Sunday school. Precious memory. And I'm thinking, oh my God. Why don't we all go out and just kill ourselves right now? <laughs> oh my goodness. But I tell you, it was worse than the Church of Christ because they'd come in carrying a cross and there'd be three or four people behind them dressed in like these men would have these long robes on. And a guy would come down the aisle shaking this pot that had smoke coming out of it. And they would come in and everybody would stand. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before he. Oh, man, I never heard nothing like that in my life. But can I tell you something? The Lord is in his holy temple. And we just need to just know he's there. And, and though it, we may not understand it all, and we're not going to understand it all, thank God one day he'll straighten it all out. And he'll always have mercy on his people. Praise the Lord. I don't know what we may have to go through as a nation. My wife tells me this all the time. She says, uh, she says to me, she says, uh, she said, I, and I know God's going to get America. I know he is, but do you think he'll have mercy on us? And I said, honey, he'll always 
have mercy on his people. I don't know what we're going to have to go through, but I sure am glad he'll have mercy on his people. Name me one Babylonian you know. You don't know none of them. You say, well, I'll tell you, I've married my mother-in-law. Is a... <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible tonight, for the Word of God.